0: hello podcast listeners i hope you're well something a little bit different on the episode today i'm interviewed by ruby and this is on her podcast, "A true to you podcast we're talking a little bit about boundaries uh the importance of boundaries the power boundaries both in your personal and professional lives and how boundaries have changed a little bit for me over the years as well so i hope you enjoy this one if you've got any specific questions send them along Uh, This is John Marsh, you're listening to the Access Potential Podcast.
1: This is the True To You Podcast, your very own work bestie. Each week we come together for honest conversations about reinventing yourself and your career all while navigating a path towards meaningful work. I'm your host, Ruby Marsh. Let's do this. My guest today is someone that I know probably better than anyone in the world, except for his mother. <laughs> That would be my husband, John Marsh. He also happens to be our first male guest on the True To You podcast. I'm all about empowering women, but when there's someone that you can bring on the show that has some insights and can also bring an alternative side to life, I thought no better than the person that you have spent 13 years with and in the last few years in particular we have done a lot of work around the topic that we're talking about today. Boundaries. Yes, it's a bit of a buzzword. It's something that we hear a lot in personal development circles. The need for boundaries, boundaries to create consistency, boundaries being the things that you do that you don't do. And all of those things in between. So what we wanted to do today was have a really meaningful discussion around creating boundaries and balance in your business and how you can do this really effectively so that you also ensure that you're maintaining uh flexibility that you're maintaining freedom that you are still focused on those other areas of your life that are really important to you that probably had you create a change in your career or had you dive into small business in the first place and so once we dive into small business we suddenly realize that it can be all-consuming. So how do we create balance? How do we create consistency when we don't have a boss tapping us on the shoulder? And one of those things that we discuss is accountability, why accountability is essential to this thing called consistency. We also dive into a few other areas that John is really passionate about. In particular, he loves content creation for small businesses. So we talk a little bit about that and how that correlates to boundaries, what you do and what you don't do in your business. This is a pretty wide ranging conversation, but there's a lot in it. And I know that you're going to get something out of this, whether you are in small business, whether you are in your career and you're looking to find a bit of balance, really understanding this concept of boundaries is is going to help you get there. And it's a practice, my loves. I will say that, that boundaries is not something that you can easily implement overnight and it's done perfect. It takes practice. So I want to welcome to episode 42. Mr. John Marsh, welcome to the True To You podcast. Hold up, sister. Before we get into today's episode, let's take a short break to hear from one of our sponsors. Uh, Hang on a second. I'm sponsoring my own show because I'm a businesswoman too and Well, I've got something you might need. My bet is if you're loving the conversations we have on the True To You podcast, you're either in business or making plans to start your own thing. And what's the one thing stopping you from starting? Paralysis by analysis, too many freaking ideas, too many passions, all the things. So how would it feel if you could reduce that endless list into the best business idea for you? Well, funny that, because I have a free five-step guide that will help you answer exactly that question. I promise you, if you're overwhelmed by too many choices, the best thing you can do is ask a few simple strategic questions to find the best one that suits your goals and your needs. To get your hands on this free step-by-step guide, head to rubymarsh.com, that is rubymarsh.com and enter your details to get it now. Don't wait any longer. Start creating today. So, today I have a very special guest, a very uh, dear to my heart guest on the True to You podcast, and also the first male guest. So, this is a bit of a celebration today. He also happens to be my husband, John Marsh and creator of the Access Potential Academy, which is a program for small business owners in the health and fitness industry. So today I thought we would jump on and talk about a subject that is dear to our hearts, because when you're running a small business, having boundaries and finding balance and being able to move your small business forward is a real uh, juggling act would you say John?
0: (laughs) Yeah yeah 100%. Yeah
1: so it's something that we have worked through over a number of years because we both now have small businesses in different capacities. Uh, John is full-time in his business so maintaining that balance and having boundaries and finding structure when you are 100% your own boss is uh, a challenge for some and it's a work in progress as well. So John has owned a number of businesses as well over the years which means that he's had experience in bricks and mortar businesses. We owned a gym down in Melbourne for a number of years. So you've been in business and small business in particular, in the health and wellness industry, health and fitness industry more specifically, for 10 years, 2009? Was that when you opened the running shoe store?
0: Yeah, first one in retail running specialty store, 2009.
1: Yeah, and that was when we lived in Sydney. And that was really throwing ourselves in the deep end, mostly John in the deep end. He had had a bit of mentoring from another retail store owner and then went on to open his own store. But I think there's nothing like throwing yourself into business to uh, have your best personal development journey you could wish for. Uh, I've had a few conversations with women in the last week where they've mentioned that. So the first question I wanted to, to ask you, John, is... This question around flexibility and freedom, because I know personally, I know through my clients and conversations with women wanting to start their own businesses in particular, move away from working for someone else to working for themselves. Flexibility and freedom is probably thing that they value or that they want to have more of in their life and a big reason why they start business. Uh, It's a word that comes up time and time again. Was that something that you desired when you first started in small business, this concept of flexibility and freedom?
0: For me, I don't think that was on my periphery at the beginning when I started In small business and retail, it had come off the back of a move uh, that was pain driven out of corporate. And then I found my stride in an area that I love. So it was triathlon at the time and it was more a case of I can make a go of this. I can make something work here. I'm kind of somewhat of an expert. I know this area. I know how to sell. I know, um, you know, a way that this could this could fly versus uh, the flexibility and the freedom. I think that concept, as, as an underlying concept, I think the, the idea of freedom was present, but mm. it wasn't a conscious decision. I wanted to get more flexibility, therefore I'll go and open a small business.
1: Yes, and if we go into business wanting that in small business, creating our own hours, creating our own schedule, in your experience, it it, does it deliver that straight up. I mean, you, you definitely get to create your own schedule, but I think sometimes we go into business with the assumption that we'll be working less hours. Uh, we can work a lot around existing commitments and things like that. I know you were still training a lot at the time, but
0: I think, yeah, yeah, it, it leads me to think about the concept of constraints and, there's a feeling that if we reduce the number of constraints in a system or in a business uh, or in a work of art that we're working on, that we have more freedom and that we can do more and there's Mm -hmm. more possibility. And what we actually see is the opposite, that some level of constraint gives you a starting place. A good example of this is in uh, video game design. And because they're designing video games, which are they have no constraints, there's no laws of gravity, anything like that, they get lost in what you see is a lot of copycatting. So a lot of same, same. And in small business, the same thing happens. So a lot of times people think that because I'm not stuck to a 95 schedule, mm. I'll have freedom and I'll mm. have the ability to create, and I'll have the ability to live the life that I love. And yet... Kind of paradoxically, it's only when we, for a lot of people, most people, when we bring back a little le- level of constraint in, we can then kind of find a footing and then use that footing or platform to create, to become creative, to innovate. And without that, we often have no rhythm and we're, we're you know, we're circadian beings, we, we live on rhythm and we live on cycles. So when we take that stuff away in the quest for freedom, a lot of times we end up shooting ourselves in the foot, not for everyone, but for a lot of people, it just ends up being a kind of a pile of distraction. And then I guess for me, that small business journey was that learning and then kind of going, okay, cool. Where do I need to bring constraints in or boundaries in Um, because that allows me to relax into that space, and then I can start to be creative, and I can start to do something that's really powerful. But there were a couple of years there, number of years, where, you know, whether it was napping, whether it was uh, going down to the bakery or going surfing, whatever it was, from a business perspective, was really disruptive to what I was trying to create and what I was trying to do.
1: So even in the absence of structure, you're saying that you probably will be forced to create some structure at a certain point. Uh, Yes, you have freedom over how that looks, but uh, constraints can actually be a real positive to work around. And as we've spoken about recently with the APA uh, cohort, constraints can actually allow for more innovation as well, can't they? Because without them, I think creativity and innovation almost can't exist, perhaps. Um, maybe you can um, argue me on that one. But I see recently, especially with coronavirus and particularly the businesses that you work with, an industry that is more bricks and mortar, that's, that's generally offline working in a space, they've now had to move online and just seeing some of the things that they've done to uh, innovate that, even though everyone's suddenly going online, is there anything you want to say around constraints and innovation and Yeah, I creativity? think the, the
0: biggest thing that jumps out there is a the concept of safety and certainty. And what actually happened when we look at the coronavirus? Uh, shift where that one Sunday evening, the news came out that the small business mm. owners couldn't serve their audience and the people that they love to meet face to face. There was, uh, you know, what I would kind of call a back against the wall feeling. And there's two types of innovation. There's innovation from a place of abundance or on the front foot, and there's innovation from a place of adaptation or scarcity. and. They both can work, but what mm. we saw was the latter, and what the way that played out was when the news came out that people couldn't see their, their tribe. Uh, all of a sudden, the customer channel or the segment, the whole customer segment, was not available through that existing channel. So we saw a lot of change. We saw a lot of adaptation mm. because we had to, and this does bring a shift. It does bring a bit of creativity, but. Typically, we see more higher level thinking and higher level innovation when we have resources available, when we've got time, when Mm. we feel safe. Mm. And so this takes us back to boundaries because what's actually happening when we, uh, you know, get to that point where we've got some awareness around boundaries. And yeah, there may be little slips, but when we start to get a framework in place that's working for us uh, and we can, you know, kind of balance things out a little bit. We can bring in a sense of safety and mm-hmm. a sense of mm. trust with ourselves. And from the sense of safety, from a sense of trust, we can then look for ways to be innovative. and we can break path dependence and we can have fun with creativity and innovation. Um, so yes, I think they're both, I think we did see yeah. innovation, but I would say that what we'll see in the next three months, as people now feel a little more comfortable, and their boundaries are coming back into play as we'll see a higher level of thinking and greater more powerful innovation
1: yeah yeah i think that's a really good point is that uh word certainty that actually came up with a client this week as uh, she's na- navigating a change in her life and this balance between what does she need to have certainty over in her life in order to, yes, feel safe and have her needs met at a foundational level. And then from there, like you said, you're going to have more energy available because if I imagine if you are trying to create under the circumstances of, more scarcity, which we initially saw when those restrictions came in place, that's really taxing on us physically as well. Oh, suddenly I've got to flip this from an offline model to an online model. And, and a lot of them we're doing it in such a short period of time. Uh, it can be really hard. And then so sometimes we can have this spike of energy, we're running on adrenaline, and then how do we <laughs> maintain that? So the boundaries uh, is probably a good one.
0: Yeah, and two things pop up to me there. One is, you know, when we talk about certainty, it's just a perception. Mm. We don't really have it in any way. We can choose how we show up. We can choose how we create boundaries and we can create certainty to an extent in ourselves. Uh, But ultimately, you know, of course we don't have it. So these things are going to happen. The other thing that comes to mind is that you know, we talked about coronavirus being a break of pre-existing constraints and a break of the, the continual nature of what we were doing. And in a sense, if we choose to ignore boundaries, what we're really doing is hiding. Mm. We're subconsciously choosing to create chaos on a daily cycle
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: to evoke a feeling of despair, frustration, not having enough time, not having the resources, uh, and hide. And we might be hiding from a personal relationship or intimacy or doing the work that we want. Uh, we might be hiding from a chance of failure. And I think more commonly as we hide from a chance of success
1: yeah.
0: and a chance of realizing the goals and dreams that we want. And so... A lot of people will continue to shy away from boundaries because it feels strict it feels boring it feels plain vanilla and what's really happening is they'll simply be choosing this chaotic nature and it doesn't allow them to focus and doesn't set the stage for any long game thinking Mm. or long-term success uh, to create the change that they want
1: yeah yeah Define for me long game. What does, what does that mean? Because that's a word that we're often balancing, especially in business, our long-term goals versus short-term or quick wins. So for those that aren't really familiar with that term long game, uh, what does that mean?
0: Long game is a, a way of thinking where we're looking beyond the hype. Mm. We're looking beyond the short-term tactics, the here and the now on social media, Mm. on the emails. Uh, To me it was introduced through training and an early mentor of mine in the endurance sports was Pete Jacobs who when I was with him was top 10 in the world in triathlon and then he became world champion in 2012 and he called it train easy Mm. and he showed me that it was the amateurs who were thinking about just that session, mm. just that weekend, trying to win the race up the hill. But it was the pro who was thinking about the race at the World Championships next year, five years from now. And he eventually went, to, went on to win the title. I saw that this would play out uh, in my own training. So it was the physical, a lot of times for people, the physical domain can bring in insights. And so for me, that definitely happened. And then if we contrast that, you know, to have this long game thinking, which is really the only way to create change with a business, Mm -hmm. it's really the only way a business can work because there's so much, especially now, built on trust and attention and Mm -hmm. an audience. So we need this long game thing, but the trade is that we have to be aware of when short term thinking or short term tactics or hype creeps in because from a biological chemical standpoint, the short-term stuff's exciting. Mm. It's, the, you know, it's the Instagram likes, it's the, the pop, it's the buzz. And while it does have a little return and it's, it's something that does exist and could be important at times, it's a small metric and it at most is gonna give you 10% more in terms of your business. The long-term thinking is like, okay, great, that stuff's cool. Uh, What we're really focused on, though, is doing our work and showing up the next day and cultivating a mindset and a a way of living and a way of thinking, you know, through boundaries is Mm. one part, but that can allow us to do this for years. Yeah. Because that's what it's going to take.
1: Yeah. Do you think there's a level of uh, tolerance for something that comes to mind is this tolerance for discomfort this building of resilience over a long time frame as well is that when we're getting quick wing wins we're looking for that uh, instant reward or that instant validation and when you're first starting a business you do need some of that you need to know are they responding to my idea is my content what my people want? Am I delivering the right kind of value, or am I off the mark? And so, what do you think about balancing that? Because I noticed that uh, small business has definitely helped me build another kind of resilience that perhaps I had from years of sport as well or training, not to quite the same degree that you have done and the level that you've reached, but. Always had this level of resilience and grit inside, but I think that once you start to introduce this play of these short-term wins and these short-term uh pleasure-seeking things that we want to hold on to when we're creating something versus that long-term discomfort that we need to endure and be okay with in order to get to the result that they want we want to get with. Do you think that you've had to increase that tolerance for discomfort is it something that you've always had because i think it puts some people off building a business Mm. in my experience
0: yeah i think a couple things pop up one is that the small metrics that we were talking about the hype Mm. is not to be confused with feedback
1: yeah okay good so
0: we can get feedback from really one of two people one is our audience and two is someone who has enough empathy to put themselves in the shoes of the audience. And this may come in the form of actual engagement on social media. So we could use those short-term metrics as a tool for feedback or it may come in any number of other ways where we talk to a mentor or a coach mm-hmm. or a peer group or a mastermind you create to get uh, powerful feedback to help elevate our work. There's other ways of also looking at is something working besides the short-term metrics? Do I see change? Do I see this idea that I put forward getting adopted? Mm -hmm. Do I see um, questions coming off the back of this? Do I see interests coming Mm -hmm. off the back of this? If I do a talk about something, do I see people actually implementing that? And if so, that means they've taken the idea and they're running Mm -hmm. with it. That's going to be a lot more powerful to have this kind of qualitative view yeah. then this post got 20 likes this one got 10 mm. therefore i need to do more of the 20 like so i think it's just having an awareness of not getting caught up in one thing and looking at the whole picture you know the other thing is this longer this persistence and being able to move into the discomfort over a long time frame it's uh, uncomfortable mostly because people want the result very quickly Yes. So if I am going to podcast and I want to have a Joe Rogan podcast in the first month and I find out that I'm not there and I have to continue for three more months, that's going to be a slog. Mm. If I have acceptance for the fact that I'm in a long game, that it's going to take time, then it's a reframe because then to do the daily blog, to write, to create frequently, yeah, it's a slog in a way, but in another way of looking at it, it's just part of what we're doing. This mm. is just what it's going to be like. Mm. So then we can relax into the journey and kind of kind of breathe into the journey. And yeah, it's going to take longer, um, but we're across that. We're okay with that. So I think, yeah, for sure, there's this consistency and, and the ability to keep pushing is really important. And I think that we can lessen that tension when we're willing to have this go for years.
1: Yes. And we both have experienced this. Uh, We're probably still in the thick of it. The feeling that business, because in the early days, you're learning so much about yourself. You're learning so much about what you need to do to make your business successful. Planning, strategy, all of these elements that you may not have considered may not actually be your um, strengths, but you still need to to understand as you're building a business. It can be really all consuming. And I would love to know from you what's some specific boundaries for the listeners that you've put in place uh, personally so that you can maintain balance is a funny word like maybe we need to have a conversation first on defining what balance is because for balance for everyone is going to be different and there's never this i don't believe there's ever this real equilibrium homeostasis in terms of how much input and output we need to do but can you share with us some things that you've cultivated in terms of boundaries in your life that have allowed you to still maintain I guess when I think of balance I also think of ensuring that other parts of my life are being looked after as well Uh, when we're off balance sometimes we're so focused on one thing that our health falls by the wayside maybe our relationships but a, a little we can have a little bit of balance and be focused on and somewhat on all of these things. So but yeah, what's some some boundaries for the listeners that have really helped you if if they're feeling like, oh, I don't want to lose sight of my health. I don't want my, you know, I want to make sure that I'm still looking after my relationship. Or for example, a lot of the women as well that I work with have young families. So it's how are they still giving to their family and giving to their business. Yeah. Mm.
0: The first thing that comes to mind is that the, you know, we're in a culture where we love to have something given to us. Mm -hmm. So I guess what I mean is that the boundaries that I have in place will likely be irrelevant to somebody else. Mm -hmm. There may be a slight overlap because we both live in a circadian rhythm uh, but generally, I think the, the whole conversation starts with the self-awareness, so tuning into yourself. Mm. i found that my boundaries for work capacity, work output have been able to be relaxed in terms of total amount worked in recent years than they were 10 years ago mm. because the nervous system's gotten used to working more. Mm. Uh, the boundaries around relationships have changed because what I what we know now we didn't know early mm-hmm. on but I think having said all of that you know so that's that self-awareness piece continuing to come back to yourself uh, but having said all of that you know some basic ones that seem to be powerful for me is uh, the Work is a big one. If you own a business, your tendency is going to be to overwork. The culture is largely based on, on racing and on fear and on dopamine. So mm. what that'll mean is you'll be wanting to do more time-wise, not necessarily efficiency-wise or mm. output-wise, but time all hours of the day. And so for me, it was helpful to slowly bring in some, some time boundaries, you know, stopping at a certain time, not working on certain days. And it's hard because the narrative wants you to keep going. But I think that's a trap and I think that's a lie. I think we can get all that we need to get done within uh, a reasonable amount of time. And I think another one that's been important is technology, having um, kind of agreements in place in terms of how you use them personally, how you use it personally, because it can be a trap of distraction and stop you from doing the work that you want mm. and then going out into relationships how the technology is the agreements in place there and no, no one's there's not going to be a wrong or a right but for me based off of where i've come from and how i feel those those few have been important for sure
1: yeah, definitely. And would you say starting simple with boundaries is has been easier than trying to uh, bring in these boundaries, especially with your work where you're You're suddenly going to shift from working 60 hours a week to working 20 hours a week. There's got to be a level of adaptation, I guess, to the boundary and quick wins with the boundaries can make it become more habitual.
0: Yeah, you have to come back to self-awareness. So if you're making yourself sick from your work, Mm. you need to check that because Mm. you're not going to have a long game, a long-term success. So, you know, for me, it always comes back to that self-awareness or, the relationship awareness is things slipping here, like what's actually happening here. What's the quality of the time together actually like? And if it's not where you want it to be, typically there's a lack of a boundary mm. going on or a lack of commitment to a boundary that was in place. Um, having the, the boundaries or the frameworks in place has really helped, I think, creativity as well, because it gives you, a framework to work inside of, you know, we talked about earlier. And I think that, that teaches you the creative muscle as well, which I think can really help.
1: Yeah. Uh, A word that comes to mind, I think you might've said it before as well as consistency. And you said just then how much work are you doing? And a word that um, I guess a flip side of that is how much you're actually producing. So, uh, what you actually produce and put out into the world relative to how many hours you spend doing it. It's more about what you're putting out into the world most of the time, isn't it? But Rather than what you're just doing for 50 hours a week and ticking things off a list. Consistency of, of output and producing things. So uh, what would you put in the production bucket in your business? What are things that is actually producing work, leading to clients, um, building community, all of those things? They're not just sitting behind the computer doing busy work Mm. that we can be confused with. Yeah, name a few for you that...
0: So one way to think about this is, Peter Drucker talks about this, uh, like an organism Mm. And the organism could be like a little amoeba sort of thing or it could be a frog. And as the organism's really small, it has only one job. And the job really is to look for food or, or danger. Yeah. So they have really big eyes and a lot of like sensory inputs to see what's coming. And then not much happening internally. Like not, it's, it's a pretty simple system. Mm. As you get bigger as an organism, you've got more and more happening inside to kind of support the whole Mm -hmm. system, like your digestion, your skeleton, all of this. And so the same thing happens with the business. If you're just starting and you're a coach or a, a freelancer and you're looking for those first five or six clients, your work is basically on that external environment. Your all of your work is, uh, you know, sending out messages to bring value, to show work on whatever platforms, and to connect and communicate with with an audience, mm. people you want to serve, and to build that network up and build that trust and attention, because you don't have a lot of clients. You're mm. not working. You're not you're not um, in the back end doing tons of operating. As that grows the operational work goes way up. Mm. And so for me, there's a lot of people in the program. So the operational work is a lot of communication. Mm. There's coaching, there's delivery. And yet still the other work, the external kind of communication all needs to happen as well. Mm. So for me, the output is... Uh, the output is, is still the marketing, it's the sales, it's the uh, whole communication outside of the home, like all of that network building stuff and, and trying to bring value to the audience. And then there's delivery. And the, the bigger that you get, the less, the more important boundaries become because you literally don't have time to go between the different, you know, you don't have time to scroll on it mm-hmm. on social media or check your email fifty more times. So the yeah, for me the two buckets are just um, client delivery and a lot of I do a lot of content creation. So content creation has been for the last two years a pillar of kind of the way that I work.
1: Yes, yes, and content creation for you looks like what's some ways that that you do that? What's the what's the work that you create?
0: Yeah, so. An a easy way to think about it is using the word communication instead of content. Mm. So I'm looking for ways to communicate with the people that I want to serve, my yeah. tribe. And when I communicate with them, I think about it just like we're talking in a way. And so when we talk, we do, you know, five or six different things. We tell stories, we entertain, we educate, we give context uh, and we share little insights. And so that makes up the basis of my daily blog, mm-hmm. which goes out every day. And I usually like to sit down in the morning and do that and Instagram and any other platform. the platform matters less than the intent. The intent is to communicate to build trust to bring value. And the way that I do that is in those kind of you know storytelling, educational entertainment value and um, that's pretty much content so there's a there's a there's a it's important to always ask what's it for and there's a what's it for for social media if you're doing instagram stories the what's it for is to give some context behind the scenes or to educate or to tell a little story because a story builds trust it builds resonance Mm. And when you have a what's it for, then at least it shifts you into a creator mindset and it kind of moves you away from consumption, constant consumption, because the what's it for of consuming all the time is really to waste time Mm. and to hide from the work you're trying to do. But to consume a little and create a lot, that changes it because then you're bringing value and you're starting to put something out there that can create a change.
1: And would you say, as you're consuming, ensuring that you're engaging with your audience, if like, if you're consuming, then maybe make that part of your strategy is to um, connect with those people, connect with possible clients and build relationships through that rather than just endless scrolling and th- and kind
0: yeah. Of hiding.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, yeah.
0: So consumption I think has a has a role to understand the culture Mm. and I didn't see this and I know we've moved away from boundaries here but I didn't see this for a long time but there's a lot there is value in spending a lot of time at some point consuming you know videos on YouTube Mm. to understand how how this platform works Mm. what's how does it load up? What's the width of the video that I should create? Do they use subtitles? What what are these t- uh, title, tile kind of things mm. they do? Um, you know, What time of day would I normally put it up? And not that you have to stick to all of these things, but to understand the, the culture a little bit, mm. you can break the rules, but to understand that I think is valid, then engagement is to me as important as creating, because it helps to fuel the creating and also builds the audience yeah. we in 2020 if you're if you have solitary brilliance and you create by yourself you're not going to build an audience yeah All right, one out of a million will but mostly for the people you know if you're listening you're probably going to build an audience and build trust and attention through a two-sided approach of creating content that brings value in those few different ways and then engaging with the people. Yes, yes,
1: and those that aren't online doing that have probably been offline, like the Stephen Kings of the world or uh, people writing movie scripts or something like that. They've probably been doing it for years and years and years and they're uh, they're still producing or they're still creating something. It just might not look like how majority of us are doing it these days.
0: Yeah, so that gets into talking about the depth of the content. So if your content depth is really high and there's a lot of impact, and you're doing a feature-length film, Mm. you might do one a year because it impacts the audience so viscerally when they see it that the trust that that builds lasts until the next production. If you're writing small anecdotes or small jokes, or you're an illustrator or something that would be consumed quickly within mm. five or six seconds, you're probably gonna be kind of playing in that 72 hour, 48 mm. hour, 24 hour time frame and c- putting stuff online or offline, but r- quickly. Um, yeah. So, you know, Stephen King, the people who have been doing big bodies of work, They've been showing up just as consistently, if not more. I think Stephen King was the number two pencil guy, like from <laughs> eight am to twelve pm every day, yeah. seeing pencil or whatever it was, uh, relentless. Mm. You know, showing up more than most of the people scrolling on social media.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I'm I'm glad we touched on that for a little bit because even though it's not specific to boundaries or to balance it is it is this idea of consistency and um you do need boundaries to be able to to do those things as well so
0: i think it i think it's heavily linked
1: Mm. i
0: think what you're doing is uh relaxing a boundary that's going to say you know if you're listening and you're a business owner maybe at the moment you don't educate and you don't entertain and you don't bring value on social And that's a boundary that you put in place Mm. subconsciously somewhere along the line. You don't consider yourself a creator. Mm. Well, you can choose to change that boundary. And you can say, okay, I'm going to relax this boundary. I'm going to allow myself to create content, to interact with people and engage with people. Now you've set a new boundary. And that is, okay, well, I do these types of content. Mm. So all you've done is you've, you've opened a boundary and you've allowed this new area to open up. And then you're just using different boundaries to keep a lid on it to make sure that you're staying focused and doing what you want. But I think boundaries is heavily layered into all of this stuff Mm -hmm. because in a a sense, it's either what's okay, what's not okay if you kind of go the Brene Brown road or it's what I choose to do, what I choose not to do. And when you look at it professionally, I now choose to write, I now choose to create, and I now choose to film. That's a boundary.
1: So another aspect of boundaries that allows us to maintain our boundaries is accountability. And when you work largely on your own, you might have a few clients or uh, like most of the women that I work with, they're very much in the early startup stages of their business. So they're very much accountable solely to themselves, which I think can feel like sometimes the hardest person to be accountable to, ironically. Do you have any tips for the listeners out there, women or men who are working for themselves or perhaps working from home? Because this can also apply even though you might have uh, a situation currently where you're working remotely and so you still need to be accountable. some ways that, that you've found to be really successful for you to maintain that consistency and meet your deadlines rather than blowing them out uh, just because you didn't feel like it.
0: <laughs> so I think there's a lot in there. The mm. first thing that comes to mind is kind of this concept of how you do one thing is how you do everything. So you could, you could practice if you want to develop accountability you could practice it just with small things, you know, that might be meditation practice. It might be turning Mm -hmm. up at yoga. It might be going for a walk. And with these small things, it allows us to develop a little string of wins and maybe we, we do it for a month Mm. and what that's done is something that's really important where it's built a little bit of trust in ourselves. And so when we have trust in ourselves that we can do this thing, even though it might get a little bit hard, it allows us to more powerfully set uh, our intentions or our goals, whatever you wanna call them, because not only do we want to go there, but we believe that we can, we trust that we can as well, even if things get hard. So I think if you work on that, and, and a big part of that could be being, you know, with a involved in a community or peers who also Mm. show these qualities of trusting themselves and accountability. Uh, But if you work on that on the smaller level, then it seems to translate over into your work and you might be getting started on a project. Things get a little bit hard. You kind of get into some resistance. But you know because you've seen the proof that you're able to continue anyway. And so that has helped to build a narrative that's a little more resilient, a little more consistent coming into it. And so you rely on that narrative and you rely on that way of being Mm. to get you through uh, even when you don't feel like doing it. And then, So that's kind of that internal working on accountability. And then I think always having other people does help. Uh, I think, you know, not everyone's going to get that in isolation, and I certainly have leaned on other people, but to to build a, it could be a peer group or a peer-to-peer or um, a program or even a friend who you start to dive into this with and set up a framework to hold each other to the, to the agreements, I think is important. Um, but yeah, I think really it, it trickles down through everything. So if you're seeing a lot of lack of accountability in your work, it's likely to be showing up, say, with maybe timeliness or it might be showing up with your health uh, or your food or these other areas. And, you know, I think a lot of it comes back to to mindfulness and to presence and to the work that you can do in that area as well.
1: Mm. And a couple of things come to mind with that. Uh, one thing that I know you do or both done fairly consistently especially this year more committing to it is a daily journaling practice that has some structure and has some questions so that if you've got these bigger projects uh, if you've got people in your life that are counting on you if you've got clients etc you can frame it up in such a way that you have a reference point as well i think um without any sort of plan even if it's a day-to-day plan or uh, and then within the context of a quarterly plan or a yearly plan uh, my experience that really helps without any goals you don't really know what you're working towards and i've noticed since you've broken that down to the day-to-day especially that your output has gone through the roof as well. Is there something like that made a significant shift for you, do you think? I, that's something I've observed, but I'd be interested to know from you how that little practice as well has has helped you.
0: Yeah, I think having, having it broken down can be really helpful for people. I think the main thing that's happening there is you're sitting up a couple of non-negotiables or a to-do list, whatever it looks like for you, you're ticking them off, you're getting it done, and then you celebrate that. And mm-hmm. so on the one I do, I've got a little space for reflection. Did I get my things done? And if that's a yes, there's a positive feeling that's mm-hmm. associated. And so the, th- the, the idea is to build these yeses, to mm-hmm. build, you know, it's called a success by approximation, a lot of small wins. And when we do that, we're seeing proof that we can get stuff done. So again, it's the string of wins. And it's not necessarily the habit that I'm trying to really focus on in terms of doing the list or doing the little thing in the morning. It's the habitual narrative that I'm trying to work on, which Mm. is more powerful. So the, the practice is great and it's helped to build a narrative that yeah, I'm productive, I'm able to get these things done. If I get distracted or something, you know, great, we all do. Don't need to judge it, just come back the next day or whatever, when you, when you get awareness again, get back into work. And you're trying to build, through the practice, you're building a helpful narrative, a helpful way of thinking, which I think is the kind of main thing there. Because then you can swap into different projects, different jobs, different ways of working And you get to take that narrative with you, even though you don't have that same sheet in the morning or the same Mm -hmm. practice, you know because you've seen the proof that you can trust yourself, trust your process, and you'll figure it out.
1: One thing I wanted to touch on finally is your program that you created in 2019. You're in the second round of the Access Potential Academy. What is Access Potential Academy for anyone that hasn't come across this name before
0: so when I came out of the second small business which was uh, owning a gym in Melbourne for almost five years I was I had been part of business masterminds and I had done a lot of sales and marketing development and business development and a lot of it was helpful a lot of systems-based coaching and I was looking for something else and I and I and I realized that for people like me who didn't fit into a specific box with a business, uh, I, was, I had been running retreats. I had been doing daily blog at this time. I had been running workshops around um, breathing in Western Australia and New South Wales and Melbourne. And I, I didn't fit into a specific mm. box. And so the APA Program Access Potential Academy was something that I had been thinking about for a while of creating a network, creating a peer-to-peer group for people like me, for people who wanted to develop the foundational human sort of skills, and these would be a shift towards right brain thinking, but the humanized business development skills to be able to do great work, amazing work, and learn how to go down that road and uh, understand the tools and the ways of thinking to make a stand for great relationships because I saw the business, the the great work and the great relationships, and I still see this as the foundation for business success. Business, your relationships is your future currency and we're all creators now. If you're Mm. owning a cafe, and you're on social media, you're a creator. You're a creator in the coffee that you pour. You're a creator in the, uh, in the interaction that you have with your customers on mm-hmm. the phone. And to, to bring in that narrative of being the creator and learn those skills, and then also dive into empathy, communication, listening, expression, articulation, for the relationships, to me, was the, was the rabbit hole that I wanted to go down. And I wanted to take the skills I had learned and take others with me. And so APA is a, a six-month program for small business owners, mostly in uh, health and wellness space because it's a, a people-facing business. Mm-hmm. But other creatives as well and other service-based businesses where we go into developing the creator's mindset, cultivating empathy for your audience, um, niching down. And of course, it you know hits sales and marketing. It hits all these things. Uh, but those are ways to express these skills, rather than the be-all and end-all in themselves.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the transform transformations that I witness, and the people that go through this program, uh, is a is a professional transformation. They grow their businesses, but they also have these personal transformations as well. Because uh, through the marketing part of the program, you get to dive into things like storytelling but also mainly your own story. So there's a lot of uh, understanding yourself, this awareness that we've been speaking about today at a much more deeper level that is going to sustain you as you grow your business as well. So we're not just looking at bottom line numbers, leads, funnels you know all of these uh, systems that are important uh, to have in your business so for anyone that wants to find out a little bit more about access potential academy maybe they uh, have a business in the health and wellness industry uh, they're interested in becoming part of a group program the next intake will actually be in 2021 uh, but there is a number of things that John offers outside of the program as well. Once that program's finished, how can we find out more about APA? How can we hang out with you online? I know you're a big fan of Instagram as well, which is uh, awesome because that's where most of my people hang out. So yeah, where can we find you? Where can we find out more about APA?
0: Uh, You can check out Instagram at John T. Marsh. You can check out the, I uh, write a short daily blog post uh, from my website that comes by the email. The daily blog's kind of where a lot of the other ideas come from. Mm. So that's, that's there. And then the information about the APA program is on the website and typically... Uh, just start with having a look through there and kind of look at the content and you'll kind of get a feel for the work and uh, just go from there, really.
1: Amazing. Uh, Any ideas if people want to take this work on boundaries a little bit further? Uh, Do you have any suggestions of books, people to follow? A couple come to mind for me, but maybe you have some as well.
0: Yeah, I think... I guess, some parting thoughts on it. One would be to come back to the question of who do you want to become? What's the kind of work you want to create? You know, what, what do you want, you know, things to look like for you? And, and from there, you know, you can set that path up yourself, but it also might help you to find others, like mentors, mm. a tribe, connect a tribe. I think having a group of people I have a lot of heroes, mentors, people I look up to that set an example and I get to ask myself the question, what would they do in this situation? And I find that's really helpful, probably more than a book because I see a dynamic rolling example of this. And uh, that that would be the big one. Then I think the other is uh, when you slip on the boundaries just to not judge that Mm -hmm. and to come back to this question of you know what am I like when I'm at my best and to reframe and understand that we all slip but we can all get back on and we can all reframe it and kind of step back into our little sort of groove and zone of power and and get, get going again and then the last thing is we talked a lot about boundaries and I think a lot of people feel a constriction feeling around Mm. boundaries but 50 percent of the work of boundaries is relaxing other boundaries Mm. Mm. so you might tighten up on social media you might tighten up on a nighttime routine you might tighten up on some food for some people that may be a common narrative uh, and you might relax boundaries on what you're willing to create what you're willing to do in your business how far you're willing to who you're willing to connect with how you're willing to speak up mm. um, and how you're willing to be seen as a human and that I think that some of those boundary relaxations can really amplify your business fast because a lot of people aren't willing to relax those boundaries
1: yeah beautiful I love that uh, duality of putting in the the boundaries but also relaxing them on the same side so thank you so much john marsh for joining me today uh on the true to you podcast this has been a great episode that i know will value will give so many people out there so much value there's uh so many things that you can action and some very simple stuff in this as well so yes thank you john for hanging out today
0: thank you for having me That's it for this episode of the Access Potential Podcast. If you have any questions on this one, send them along. John JohnAtJohnTMarsh.com. Always love to hear from you. And I can look forward to addressing them on one of the future episodes. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.